This is WWE Hall of Famer, The Think, Howard Finkel, and you're listening to the Nerd Coalition. Welcome to No Gimmicks Needed. Yes! 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 If you can survive, if I let you. You have to be the man! You gotta beat the man! Woo! The kids do big that Do I have everybody's attention now? Yeah, I hear you CM Punk. Welcome back to the No Gimmicks Needed Podcast, episode 59, and I'm your host, Mr. A&E. Yes, I am kicking it by myself this week. Uh, there is no prime time with me, and I keep saying like this week, like we do this like a weekly thing, which it should be a weekly thing. So, I I don't know what it is. If I could just try to get this more consistent on a weekly basis, like I'm trying to move over. I want to get this podcast on Stitcher, so we can actually have like people out there that actually listen to podcasts because it's so difficult to try to hear a podcast on YouTube where uh. You know, you can't just put it in your pocket and just listen, you know, for what it is. But uh, we're trying to make, move and do bigger and better things in 2018. Also trying to get our Nerdgasm podcast back up because that just fell off the rails and just died. So we're going to try to get back to that. But it's wrestling time here. So right now when I'm recording this, it is Monday. Uh, Tonight is Raw. And um, got a couple of things here in news to go over for the past week that I know that some of you out there who do listen probably want to hear me talk about. And uh, allegedly, for, first off, we got, uh, I guess I'll head right into uh, the 205 Live news that I have right here that Triple H is now taking over creative of 205 Live. And you know what? The thing is, you can really see the difference in 205 Live for the past couple of weeks. So, you know, uh, I was there live when they had it in Philly when they announced Drake Mavic or Rockstar Spud as the 205 Live uh, commissioner, general manager, whatever they, uh, they want to call it. And he created the tournament, a 16-man tournament that will culminate at WrestleMania, which most likely will be a pre-show. But here in this news that Triple H is actually going to is having creative uh, control over 205 Live, uh, opposed to what Vince McMahon's vision of it was. I think that maybe he can actually push for this to actually be on the main card. Who knows? I don't know if it's going to be on the main card. That like, this smells pre-show all over it, and I'm like, I, I just, I, y'all have my, y'all know my thoughts about how I feel about the pre-show. So. For the past, like, they've been having good matches on there. And then, as you can see, Triple H taking over it, they, they've actually added some other stars that can be cruiserweights also outside of it, like in NXT. So, we've had Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong enter in, in this tournament. Uh, Roderick Strong actually took on Hideo Itami, and I'll get to that in a minute. And then uh, Pete Dunne actually took on TJP. So it's not just the CWC guys. Of course, you're going to see like the Noam Dars. You're going to see the Lindsay Dorados. But it's good that we're getting some more type of star power in there. So that means we could see a Pete Dunn. He's not doing anything right now. They don't have no UK championship. I mean, what should be a secondary match on that card. Um, you, you probably can't see a Pete Dunn. Uh, you never know. I don't know if the Velveteen Dream is actually 
uh, 205 or not. But, I mean, hey, if he's 205, they, they, they could put him in there, too. It seems like Vin, uh, excuse me, Triple H is using his NXT guys to help get this thing a little bit over. And I, I'm all willing to go that you can see the, the distinct difference in it, which actually makes me think, what, who are the two people that's going to make it to WrestleMania? Or are they going to have, well, if this is a tournament, it's going to be a one-on-one type of thing. I don't think they're going to have like a multi-man ladder match, which would be entertaining for the Cruiserweight Championship. But I, I seriously think like if they do have a ladder match, there's a match that I want to, to save it for. But uh, the problem is people aren't invested in 205 Live. And I think they, sh- they shot itself in the foot since day one when it began. But because... It, it strayed away from this whole CWC thing that Triple H had done. And the CWC was great. I thought out of all the tournaments they had, the CWC, the May Young Classic, the UK tournament, and even this mixed match challenge, the CWC is still hands down the best tournament that they have done so far. And I say not the other tournaments were bad, but I'm just saying, but this, the, the CWC was the best tournament that they've had. So, I... When it, when it comes on, first of all, I remember when 205 Lights come on, they used to record it before, uh, before Raw or before SmackDown. So I get there early and, and they would record 205 Live. And then they would do like the Raw and stuff like that. But now they're actually wanting to do this live thing. But the thing about it is, every time they do something new, they put it on Tuesdays. And everything is time to put on Tuesday, 205 Live gets pushed to the back seat. So 205 Live came on right after SmackDown, 10 o'clock. And then go on to 11. Now the Mixed Match Challenge got another 12-week thing, which is a half an hour. So you, you push it back to 10.30 to 11.30. And I was there in Philly. Nobody is there. And that's sad. That's sad because when after SmackDown was over and people only stayed to see the Mixed Match Challenge because they wanted to see Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss. Some actually, you know, will stay to see that kind of stuff because, you know, it's good to see uh, Mixed Tag Team matches, which I hope they bring back Uh more frequently, um, well, I, well, I say that I mean more like in game wise, but after that happened, people started just disappearing. And you can look up in the crowds and you can see that all these empty seats. I was in the second row right by the barricade, uh, watching Cedric Alexander versus Grand Metal League. Hard hitting, great match, but I'm just if there's nobody there, which means if there's nobody there, there's nobody really getting invested. And I was sitting around, uh, it was me and Chubbs that was there, and then I was sitting around these kids who really didn't know what was going on. And you know, and actually, some kids they had to leave because they got school the next day. So you know, the hardcore, like the main roster audience, is forty percent children and their families, and they're not into the hardcore, you know, wrestling or you know, as, as marks like it. They're more into the entertaining factor, which Vince tried to make that entertaining factor for 205 Live, and nobody has benefited from the entertaining factor of 205 Live other than Drew Gulak. Because when Drew Gulak first came, I said, oh, that's that's the hometown here. He's from Philly. He's born as fuck. He's really born as fuck. So, but then him having the no-fly zone gimmick and the PowerPoint presentations, that's a product of him capitalizing on the entertainment part of 205 Live, but nobody else has capitalized on it. The only other person that had kind of a, a little bit of charisma that was there originally was Rich Swan. 
And then it was only, only but so far he can go. And then they brought in Enzo and Neville. And Neville was at that point when he was there, the most entertaining thing about 205 Live and the whole King of the Cruiserweights game was great. But then once again, he's pigeon toed. Austin Aries was there. He's pigeon toed. And now they had Enzo, but Enzo did, did, got, you know, did that thing. So we, we don't know. Like I said, nobody's judging him. Don't know if he did or not, but I'm just saying, but he got fired. So now we're back to day one. So honestly, I think that what they need to do is say, let's focus on this tournament to see how it could bring back 205 Live. Let's bring up some of these NXT guys as well to work on 205 Live and uh, see how it goes. But I, I, I honestly think that they need to cut the live part of 205 Live. They need to treat, in my personal opinion, they need to treat 205 Live like NXT. And if you want to have it on Tuesday nights, it's fine. But you got to pre-record it. Uh, I, I know they don't go. I don't need to use Full Cell University anymore. Or if they do, I don't know. Because right now, NXT has been taping over in Atlanta. So I don't know what their goal is. But it needs to be an arena where this thing could be taped. And, you know, you can have a smaller amount of audience. So, you know, these big arenas won't be... Uh, empty it now with hardcore wrestling fans to help get to help get this thing back over because this 205 live thing is is, is really not helping i mean you can still have them on raw that's fine but you know you it's best if probably if you have them uh have like a like a venue like so that you could pre pre-tape this stuff and then have them on raw to do like to, to help get them over with the with the uh the live crowd and getting them over on Raw is not putting them on there for three to five minutes. You got These guys gotta have a match. Now, certain certain cruiserweight matches recently on Raw have been going a little bit longer, but every now and then you throw a six man tag in there. You throw a, a tag team match in there. You throw a one on one match, a fatal four. Like you, these matches gotta have some type of meaning for it. They're all going for the cruiserweight championship, and that's the only championship. That's on two hundred five live, and the only thing is like you know these guys got to interact a little bit. So Cedric Alexander when he uh, uh came in with Goldust, it was like okay, why are these guys still just segregated to one part of the roster? Why can't they interact? That's what I'm looking for. Why can't they interact with anybody else that's on the main roster? You gotta get you gotta have some of these older veterans try to get some of these guys over. Why can't uh? It's like, okay, so they're cruiserweights. That's fine. But what is stopping a Cedric Alexander from taking on a, a, a Cesaro? You know, that that could be a damn good match just because he's a cruiserweight, you know, but they're, they're all on Raw. So if you're going to put them on Raw, I think if you mix them up a little bit, you know, you got to give something for them to do. They can fight for other championships. You know, it, like back when they had the, the, the well, see, once again, WCW was the good example of that. You had the Cruiserweight Wrestling, great wrestling. You had the storylines within the Cruiserweight division, but after a while, that's the only title you're fighting for. Nobody is graduating from, from the Cruiserweight division, it seems like. You still have veterans like Dean Malenko and Crispin Wilde and Jericho and Mysterio and Guerrero and everybody that's still stuck in that Cruiserweight division. But when they came to WWF... At that time, uh, you had Dean Lingo that had the light heavyweight, but he also fought for the tag team and uh, European, and then same thing with uh, an intercontinental. Like you, you, you had that. And, I mean, Dean Lingo was probably more stuck in the light heavyweight division than any of the, the radicals that did come over, which sucked. But he was doing main event stuff, or he was having 
uh, matches with the, with the other top competitors that were not part of the light heavyweight division. And that's what you need to have. And I, I don't understand, you know, I think that you need to mix them in. And it's like, okay, we have a Cruiserweight tournament, fine. Once one of them loses, where do they go? Okay, why, why is it that when Austin Aries lost his feud with Neville, he goes on to face for the Intercontinental Championship? He was a former world champion in Impact Wrestling, so why can't he go on and face the Intercontinental Champion, like The Miz? Why can't he go for a tag team champ, fight a partner, go for the tag team championships? Why can't he go to fight for the United States Championship? There's so many things you can do. I think that's probably one of the reasons why Neville left. Because after I lose to Enzo, of all people, and it's like, okay, there's nothing for me to do. I got to go back to the bottom of the ladder for the cruiserweights. I'm the one who brought 205 Live any type of attention, to be honest with you. So, like I said, I, I don't think that was fair. And I can see why he left. Will he come back? I don't know. But that's my thoughts on the Cruiserweight division. I'm hoping that they don't get the pre-show WrestleMania. Just, just put the Andre Giant Battle Royal or just put, you know, they're going to have a 10-man women's match just so everybody can get on a car. Put that stuff on there. Pre-show don't need to be meaningful stuff. It's They're not going to already take my advice for it because I said all the fake concerts that they want to have and all the having flow rider and shit up there singing and dancing and stuff like that, Put his ass on the pre-show when everybody's not there, and then they can just go performing the little bit of people that are there, and then bounce like like they do for the NBA All Star Game. They the performances that they do is during the tip off, and then once eight o'clock starts, All Star Saturday Night starts, the All Star Game starts, and they may have a halftime show uh, for the All Star Game, and even uh, All Star Friday Night when they do the, the the rookie sophomore game. That, that's what you need to do, and I'm like put. All these musical acts, nobody, that's their bathroom break. Nobody wants to see that during the main show. It takes away from a lot. And then these long-ass segments, ever since WrestleMania 30, these long segments, I just, I I, I can't say, I understand why they did WrestleMania 30. It's 30 years of WrestleMania was really, you know, 29 years of WrestleMania. And then you go the next year, so it could be 30. But anyway. Hogan Rock Austin, awesome moment. Awesome moment. But that whole segment took 30 minutes. In that 30 minutes, you could have two or three matches in that 30 minutes. And once again, I was because I was mad because hey, the Shield had a squash match. And which they really should have had a rematch with the Wyatt family, in my opinion. But they wanted Wyatt to get seen so he can get buried. And then they uh had the Usos and the, the Four Corners tag team match at the beginning, at, on the pre-show. And I, I, to the credit, the tag team titles didn't mean nothing back then either, but I would be pissed if the Usos make it to the pre-show again this year. After the work they've been doing, they deserve to be on the main card. And honestly, WrestleMania is four hours. These seven-hour, eight-hour shows is too long. The crowd is drained by the end. And honestly, you can if you want to go over in half an hour, that's fine. And that's my other thing. If they're going to go over on time, a half an hour or an hour, then all this shit that they really want to do, if you look back at it, unnecessary. They had to have The Rock come out and have a 30-minute segment with the Wyatt family to get to get squashed with a six-second match. Have John Cena come out there just to announce the audience. 
Like, come on. They don't need to do that. So, in other words, before I keep going on this rant, the Cruiserweights deserve to be on the pre-show. Not the pre-show. They deserve to be on the main show, especially having this tournament to culminate at WrestleMania. You don't want that to culminate at at fucking the pre-show. If they will keep doing this Andre Memorial, the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, it, it ain't for nothing. It's not for Mojo Riley, Baron Corbin. The only person that you thought was going to benefit from was Cesaro. If they say, hey, this is for a future title shot, then fine, it means something. But it don't mean anything other than winning a trophy that's too heavy for them to carry. You know, it don't mean absolutely nothing. So, you know, just to throw it out the pre-show. But um, speaking of, you know, p- people walking down, like I said by Neville, Dolph Ziggler has uh, come back up in this news here. And so it is stated that Dolph Ziggler, this I don't know if this is rumor, if this is true or not, but that Dolph Ziggler signed a new deal with WWE. And I'm like, what is it going to take? Because, look, I am biased because I am a fan of Dolph Ziggler. I am really a fan of Dolph Ziggler. But I, uh, the way he's been booked, the way he's been treated, like, ever since seeing it, I killed his career, it's been, it, it sucked. Because, uh, honestly, the last chance that they had for Dolph Ziggler to beat anybody was when he won the Survivor Series match in 2014. That was the last opportunity he had to make this man anything. And they tried to build him up to do something, and it just didn't, it just didn't work out. And I, and I get it. So, now they're saying... That Dolph Ziggler may be Polaroid Superstar and already more than John Cena Roman Reigns. I don't know what about that. It may be Ziggler that has Pro Wrestling fans divided. The difference, of course, but uh, it's saying that I'm trying to see where is it. I'm looking here online saying that he signed a new deal. Uh, uh, okay. They uh, it says here that. Here's the inside scoop that I've kind of been told. After Ziggler laid down the title and went away for 30 days, silently coming back as number 30 in the Royal Rumble and then tossed out kind of useless, he was already kind of two feet out the door, and it was at the 11th hour that they made him another offer he can't refuse. Big money and the fact that now that he'll stay, he's willing to put anybody over do jobs, whatever, on TV, and he can leave after his matches. He doesn't need to stick around the arena, and he can take outside projects as long as they don't conflict with his schedule. Kind of sweetheart deal. You know I'm willing to, to stay a little bit longer because you met my price. Wow. Okay, here's the thing. Um, I don't understand... Is the Dolph Ziggler he'll put anybody over because he ain't a threat anymore. Dolph Ziggler is not a threat. First of all, I don't want to see Dolph Ziggler keep jobbing on TV. Alright? And then on top of that, so is this storyline that he's been doing, this storyline that they, they, they started with him makes entirely no sense. And I thought they actually had something going when they first did the uh, the draft back in 2016, and they had something going with Dolph Ziggler when he turned heel and kicked Jerry Jerry Lola in his heart. And I'm just like, this is good stuff. Capitalize on it, and they didn't do shit with it. 
And then he had a, a, a the good run with him and the Miz having that intercontinental championship uh rivalry and he said, Yo, my career is over if I don't win. Like th- there was good stuff that was peaking with Dawson. He's never gonna be in the main event. He's never gonna be in that main event spot. Like he's a mid carter at best. But still, do something with a guy that is this talented. And I remember uh he said he there was a, there was an interview I was listening to on Ring Rush Radio was it Ring Rush Radio, or it no it wasn't Ring Rush Radio it was, it was another podcast I was listening to where Dawson was saying he knows he's the gatekeeper for these NXT guys that comes up and you recognize when NXT guys come up Nakamura and Bobby Roode he faces them and he pulls to put them over but how could anybody take that as a serious win if he doesn't do shit before then. And if he doesn't do absolutely anything, then then what's the point? Byru, when they see Nakamura or Byru go against Dolph Ziggler, they be like, okay, well, they they won that match. That's no that's, that's no threat. But if Dolph Ziggler was killing it on the main roster until they come up here, and he puts them over, then that's something different. But they have not done that yet. And this guy walks out, drops the title, and walks out for seven weeks. Comes back. As the number thirty spot of the and does nothing. The last Dawson came at number thirty in two thousand fifteen, but he was in Philly again, and he stayed in there for probably the exact same time. Did nothing. What was the point? That's what I'm saying. What was the point of even bringing him back? And then it's announced on SmackDown last week that this week on SmackDown, Zingler versus Baron Corbin for the championship. Uh, excuse me, for an opportunity to be added to the triple threat match at Fastlane. Now, here's the thing: that was not a, that was not made of SmackDown. Shane McMahon tweeted out that that is what the the Dolph Ziggler Baron Corbin match is going to be. Whoever wins that match is going to be added to the triple threat championship match at Fastlane. Now, if I'm a commissioner, I know this is all storyline. This is all fake shit. But here's the thing. It don't make Shane look good. It don't make it don't make SmackDown's management look good at all. Zingler walked out the company and dropped the United States Championship. They had to find somebody new to the drop the United uh, the, for the United States Champion. Then comes back in the Royal Rumble. Who signed this guy to come back? Loses and then he gets the opportunity to go and face. In this fatal four-way match, which honestly, I think they kind of gave it away because a long time ago, they had Fastlane's main event as a fatal five-way, and they had Orton and Nakamura in there, I guess, as placeholders, but now uh, Orton is obviously going to probably be doing a program with Bobby Roode. God, <laughs> help us all. And uh, Nakamura won the Royal Rumble, so there's no point for him to be in this match. So honestly, I think Baron Corbin and Zingler is the way that they're going to make this a fatal five-way matchup. So they can have something to do at Fastlane. So we don't have to keep seeing the whole mix-up of Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and AJ Styles. And I think that would be... Would it be a decent match? Yes, but Ziggler's going to most likely be in there to take the pin. Now, I was wrong about the triple threat match between him, Rude, and Corbin. Because, hey, Ziggler didn't take the pin there. He, uh, he won the match and just dropped the championship. So I hope that they're not going to do something where he wins the championship and says, fuck it, and drops it, and then they're going to have, like, 
AJ and like don't do shit like that. Okay, you know, just have AJ win the match and then pin Baron Corbin or somebody like that, and then just, just so they can have an entertaining match to sell Fastlane. Because honestly, there's nothing to sell really much on Fastlane as being a SmackDown pay per view. There shouldn't even be a Fastlane, but this is what they have to do to build up to WrestleMania. And I'm like, I don't know what the storyline is for Dolph Ziggler. So if he go just come back just to be a jobber, I mean. Just to have try to have good matches, but just keep losing and losing and losing and losing, then there's no point for him there, because you when you see jobbers, even once they can have good matches, you know they're gonna lose. And unfortunately, like how 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 do you say it? Uh, for a while, Paulo Cruz, a good a great wrestler, they dropped the ball with him, and uh, when he's in the matches, you know he's losing. So, and it, you know, when he wins, it's kind of like a surprise, but he don't win over no big-time people. But it's like, okay, you, you know, they, they try to get give a little tickle. They try to build him up a little bit. So then when he does lose, it don't look that bad. But when you have, like, a a constant jobber that when, no matter when you get in the ring with them, they're going to lose. Darren Young reminds me of that kind of person before he left. Uh, Then uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of some other... Like straight jobbers that you know they come out there. Of course, you got the no name people, but every time, every time you see them or you face them, you know they're gonna lose. So there's no point of even trying to put them over. So I, like, I want Zingler to be something. So now he he don't have, he don't have to stay in the arena because he's pissed, and then he can go take uh, bookings anywhere. So he can be like an indie star, do House of Hardcore, and still do WWE. Or like do some Ring of Honor stuff or things like that. Now, hey, that may work to help reboot his whole career. That actually may work. I don't know. So it's like if fans see how much he sucks in WWE, but they see how great he's doing in the indies, you know, that may actually be something to work on here. So, or it, it may conflict and cancel each other out. And they say, well, you know what? You sucked in WWE. You're going to suck in the indies too. So who knows what it's going for? I, I don't know. I like this deal for Dolph Ziggler. I don't know why all this. It must have been a healthy amount of money. I don't know if this is true or not, but that's what most of these reports are talking about with Dolph Ziggler. Speaking of true or not, so I know most wrestling fans know about this this heated rivalry, and I say that with my quotation marks up, with Booker T and Corey Graves. And Jonathan Coachman just recently uh, replaced... Booker T for, on commentary for the difference between Corey Graves. Now, when I listen to Corey Graves, Michael Cole, and Booker T, Booker T, Corey Graves, and Michael Cole, there are a lot of times like Booker T is a very amped up commentator style. Like, I guess he plays the color guy, but I think that would be more Corey Graves' job because, like I said, when it comes to the D Man booths, I don't know how these things are supposed to go. So, uh, Booker T's playing that kind of amped up guy, and he would say things completely out of pocket. It just be, and I, I don't mean like out of pocket, like curse stuff like that. He just makes shit that just don't make sense <laughs> at all. And Corey Graves would be coming at him and, and like basically kind of trashing him, like "What are you talking about, Booker?" Stuff like that, and it you could tell that Booker T would get pissed off. It looks like if, you, if they show the camera stuff like that, but uh, there were. Me personally, everybody I know, there's a lot of people out there that don't like Booker T's commentating, and in my pers- in my personal opinion, 
I'm I, I think I'm a hint bias. Not, not not by too much though, because I am a huge fan of Booker T. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. But as a wrestler, as a commentator, he needs work at it. But he brings liveliness. He he brings life to the role that he's in, no matter what role he's in, and, and the way he does things, and you know, uh, being all energy ener- energetic and stuff like that, is better than David Otunga. At times, it's better than Byron Saxton, you know, and sometimes it's e- even better than Tom Phillips or Michael Cole. Like you got to bring some type of life in the commentary. It, even Percy Watts, it's, it's better than them kind of guys. And him arguing or, or him saying something like, uh, you know, uh, Jason Jordan, if this kid want to go in there, if he want to go do this, he need to stay on his opponent. But he, he would say stuff like that and hate on Jason Jordan, and Jason Jordan is doing good. So it, it really makes no sense what he's talking about, basically. So Corey Graves would get on him about that. So eventually, uh, they said Jonathan Coulter came back from ESPN and um, took Booker T's spot. And Booker T was saying on social media that it's Corey Gray's fault that Booker T is, you know, that he's no longer on a commentary spot. And he said that I'm not going to, you know, say anything while I'm at work or in business, but if I see this man out on the street, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go at it. We're gonna, I'm going to beat his ass. That's what he said on his Heated Conversations podcast, by the way. Go check out that podcast. I actually enjoy his podcast. Um, that's what he said on there. And I'm just like, now... When he said it on there, people are, you know, like, like what's going on between you and Booker T? Between uh, Corey Graves and Booker T? And I'm just like, now, something don't seem right. Because if there is really a rivalry like this or really some heated exchange, Booker T did not hide the fact. He, he went right on his podcast and said this. Knowing it's going to be report stuff like that anyway. And, uh, you know, like, Vince ain't fired him yet. So, you know. Was was the case, and then uh, Corey Graves he invited Corey Graves on his show to clear the air, and he said he gladly does it. Now, I didn't hear all the show, but apparently they go on there and they have this big laugh because they, you know, aruse everybody. Now, I'll be honest with you. At one point, I did believe the heat because of the stuff that was happening at the commentary table until Booker T came out and said, "I'll beat his ass." On his podcast, I was like, something got to be up. I know it was, you know, like if they were both into it or Booker T was just playing, but like, yo, Corey, calm down. No, they were both in on it, and even they troll people like Michael Cole and wrestlers from the back, and even Big E was texting, like, yo, uh, tweeting or whatever they was doing. What's up with you and Booker T? Or what's up with you and Corey Graves? And then they were telling me it was a ruse, and then I, I, I now I'm putting two two together because with SmackDown, when they said, ask to do they anything, uh, Big E was making fun of the Corey Graves Booker T thing. And he was just like, well, Booker T going to say what Corey Graves ass, sucker. And he was doing stuff like that. And I was just like, why are they making a joke about that? And I was like, but you know what? Now it all makes sense. So they got a big laugh. They said that this day started walking with legs. It, 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 it went from one thing to another. And then I was reading that Booker T said that he was happy when Coachman came in there to be a commentator because he says, I was not born to be a commentator. I was not born about it at all. And he said that I know where my talents lead, and he'd rather be on the kickoff panel. So he's going back to the kickoff panels. And I actually like Booker T on the kickoff panels, having the Shucky Ducky Quack Quack moment. Him, Renee Young, 
Uh, they're probably going to have Jerry the King Lola back on there and a special guest or even Corey Graves back on there. Because, you know, Corey Graves used to, uh, used to do it also. Or actually now, since he's probably doing commentary for Raw and SmackDown, it's probably going to be David Otunga that's going to be in there. So, like I said, I enjoy Booker T's uh, kickoff panel. He said he knows where he's belong. Whatever the company needs him to do, that's what he's going to do. So, him going back there at, at, at the panel, you know, he said it, it was great for him. He, he's so happy that he gets to go back and do that. So, I'm just like, you know, if Booker T's happy doing what he needs to do, he said, I'll fill on the spot when they need me to fill on the spot. But, you know, he's not a commentator. And he knows that it, it, it's, it's good when somebody can admit their own faults. Like, hey, I'm just not that good of a commentator. He's not as good. And of course, he's nowhere near as good as Corey Graves. And Michael Cole's been doing this for years. And Tom Phillips, you know, he's solid. Nigel McGinnis. These these guys are commentators. These guys are good what they're doing. Like, uh, Austin Aries was good at commentating. When he, I'm, I'm actually kind of upset that he did leak. I, I was enjoying his, commenta- his commentary also. And, you know, the J.R. and King thing. So, <clears throat> it works for some people. And people like Macho Man, it, it don't work for. So, I uh I get that whole thing that what's going on here. So Booker T and Corey Graves feud. If you guys are really into it, sorry to say it is all a ruse and it, it was meant to be nothing. So there you have it. Uh, also some Hall of Fame news here. We have um, so as I'm recording this today, Ivory is going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, that's that that's our woman for this year. Like to, you know, we got to meet our quarter. Uh, Ivy's a decent pick. I I I was okay with Ivory. I wasn't really enjoyed too much Ivory because she worked. Yeah, it, it, she she was a decent worker. Uh, when she went to write to censor, it was just like I didn't care for Ivory too much. I didn't care for uh. I mean, I, her feud with Jacob was cool with her, her doing like the hardcore uh, type of stuff and uh, but. Or she was like with D- with D'Lo Brown and stuff like that. It was, like, it was it was pretty decent. I have no. Pro- in other words, what I'm trying to say is, I have no problem with Ivory going in the Hall of Fame. She deserves Hall of Fame once again. I think she she's above the Coco Beware line, which is so sad for Coco Beware. But there are other women I pro- me personally would have chosen to go over Ivory, such as uh, Molly Holly, way overdue. And I know people try to have tired of having this. Hall of Fame uh, conversation about who deserves to be in there. Vince McMahon is in charge of this Hall of Fame. It's not a baseball Hall of Fame. It's not a basketball Hall of Fame. It's not a football Hall of Fame. It's not something where you need journalists and people to make uh, votes and things like that for these people to get in. This is who Vince McMahon wants to be in the Hall of Fame. I get it. And so if he, want, if he wants Doink the Clown, well, Doink the Clown is going to probably be in the Hall of Fame, though, because Doink the Clown is actually pretty good. Uh, but if he wants Coco Beware to be in the Hall of Fame, then Coco be Drew Carey is in the WWE Hall of Fame and in the celebrity wing. Done nothing for that company other than just be in the Royal Rumble. There have been more celebrities that come in WWE that have done a lot more than Drew fucking Carey. Okay? But this is what Vince McMahon wants, and Vince McMahon's gonna pick who he wants to be in the Hall of Fame. So whether it holds legitimacy or not. But if it was a legitimate Hall of Fame, Ivory deserves a spot in there. I just would have picked somebody else. Like I like I said, there's still people with China, but China deserves to go before her. I think Molly Holly deserves to probably go before because Ivory was before Molly Holly, but Molly Holly's better. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just in in my personal opinion. Um 
even Sable deserves to go probably before Ivory. But, uh, you know, I get it. She's in there. The other rumored names is, I don't know if they're still going to think about doing Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, uh, there's also rumor about having Mark Henry. So, and but Mark Henry and Bam Bigelow both deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. And Kid Rock is a celebrity. I'm just like, okay, now here's the thing about Kid Rock. I get it. You, you've you made the music. You made Undertaker's, you know. Uh, no, that was Limp Biscuit for Undertaker. My bad. You know, the only thing I remember from Kid Rock recently was WrestleMania 25 where his concert went over and the woman had to come out to his music. I'm just like, see, that's the problem with having, having these fucking concerts in the middle of WrestleMania. That should have been saved for the pre-show. But anyway, me personally, there's some uh, other celebrities that actually has done things in this company to help move the needle that should be in there. Like, honestly, Muhammad Ali is probably one of those that really should be in the forefront to do it. Uh, Lenny from uh, Motorhead I've, if I get his name right the, the Triple H's music stuff like that and Evolution and stuff like that he should be before Kid Rock in my personal opinion but that, that that's the Hall of Fame news and also Hulk Hogan uh, update saying that he's ready to come back to WWE and Ric Flair supports him and wanting to come back to WWE now me being an African American you know as if you guys have seen my channel y'all already know that and you know, I don't condone racism, but people are going to feel the way they feel. That's just the world. The world it is, and people are going to hate. There's, there's never not going to be somebody that does not like you for stupid reasons or real reasons. It doesn't matter. But Hulk Hogan is a wrestling icon. He's a wrestling icon, and he is wrestling. He's the '80s and stuff like that. And there was a, I was actually a fan. Of Hollywood Hulk Hogan when he became when he was in the NWO, I, you know, uh, had a I was a fan of that that Hogan and I didn't have a uh, Hulk Hogan was like you know a funny guy to listen to honestly, he was a really funny guy to listen to because he's so full of shit, <laughs> he be doing so much lying about different stories and you know how Hogan is the center of everything like this man really does have an ego problem and you know there's a difference between Hogan and Terry Bollea and. Uh, when he said that stuff on Bubba the Love Sponge, I'm just like, you know, I've dealt with that before. I've seen, you know, people feel one way in front of the camera and they feel some way uh, not in front of the camera. So, is it a thing like, does WWE bring him back? Or are they waiting for all this to blow over? And as of right now, WWE is content with not bringing Hogan back, really. And this happened back in 2015, he got he got let go, I believe it was. But this, the interview happened in 2012, I believe. I, I, you know, because I never really got much into it. And I'm not mad at anybody who supports Hulk Hogan to come back to the rest. He's Hulk fucking Hogan. I, I, I get it. And things like that. It's WWE's decision whether they want to bring him back or not. Is it a good PR move? Because that's all WWE cares about, whether they really feel that way or not. It's about PR with the whole bullying or racism or sexual harassment or anything of that nature shit if you did it or you didn't do it it's bringing bad PR to it they're they're not going to uh really bring you back now they have not crispin Wild Hogan at all they you can still see Hogan stuff he's still in the Hall of Fame and they still mention his name and they still do you know things about him but actually bringing Hulk Hogan back uh, I don't know if they're going to do that yet. And am I ready to see Hulk Hogan back again? As of right now, I, I really don't care because the thing is, it ain't you know, with the racism thing aside, 
I the later Hulk Hogan, I'm not a fan of. I'll be honest with you, because he can't work, and you know he just comes back just to, to have that you know pose down. I'm like, I, I I can do without a Hogan pose down. I don't need a Hogan pose down at a WrestleMania and him, uh, some some young guys overselling for Hulk Hogan because he can't do shit. Like, is he a nostalgia? I guess if he won't come back and do interviews and do DVDs and have backstage segments. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm over Hulk Hogan at this point. Not because of the rate, not, not just, not just because of the racism thing, but because I'm, when he came back in 2002, I was just like, Ugh, I'm over this Hulk Hogan. I don't, I like interview Hulk Hogan. I understood, uh, the, the red and yellow Hogan back in the eighties. Cause you know, I, uh, my grandfather used to be a fan, fan of that, but I mean, I was more, a Ric Flair guy than I was a Hulk Hogan guy, especially when uh, Hogan was doing the Hogamania stuff. I was way more a Ric Flair guy than I was a Hogan guy. Then you came NW. I was like, okay, finally they they, they cut the the, the uh, mom's apple pie gimmick and they got him this. But I really don't necessarily like him coming back. It's like, oh my god, he's a fucking racist. You don't bring him back. You don't uh, disgrace your company like that. That's a slap in the face to people of color. No, I'm not going to say that. And I'm not going to say, "Oh my God, Hulk Hogan's back, man! I knew he deserved to come back." I, I'm not going. I'm not going to say either because I don't care. <laughs> I don't really care. What's Hogan really going to do when he comes back? He's too old to have a WrestleMania match or a match in general. And only that he's going to do is have a long segment at WrestleMania and and have some young guys come out, have some old heads come out, and do a segment with him and leave. And in the beginning of this podcast, you just heard me say that I'm not a fan of these segments at WrestleMania when it should be the superstars out there performing. That's just my opinion. But it's like this. If Hogan comes back, if WWE wants to welcome Hogan back with open arms and, and fans to cheer for him, good for him. Am I going to stop watching wrestling? No. Am I going to get mad at Hogan? No. I'm just like, that they're going to handle it. I just don't care about seeing Hogan pose down for you no know, 15 to 30 minutes at a WrestleMania card. I don't need to see it. I'm I'm over it, in other words. So that's my feeling about it. But uh, moving on, I did my NXT. Uh, excuse me, I did my Raw and SmackDown review last year, uh, last week. But I didn't do NXT because um, I think what I'm going to start doing is because every time I keep saying I'm doing NXT, like Raw and SmackDown are live, and I usually don't like to go back on Hulu sometimes to see them, but sometimes I do because uh. Raw is going to be unbearable sometimes, but Raw. This is the WrestleMania time, so it's great to see, see that kind of stuff. Now, since I'm getting married uh, in June, I have to miss Raw because we have uh, have counseling I have to go to. So then um, Tuesday coming up is, uh, of course, you know it's Valentine's Day. So you got your fiance. Wednesday's Valentine's Day, but I don't really do the whole Valentine's Day thing to be honest with you because. Uh, you know, if you really love your, your mate, you know, you should be doing nice things for them all year round. And it's like for people who are not in a relationship, it sucks ass for them because they don't do nothing for Valentine's Day. People who are in a relationship, you, you're under pressure, it seems like. I'm not under pressure. I just like taking my fiance to dinner and we eat and we, we're going to enjoy it and we're not going to do it on Valentine's Day. We're both kind of over it. But I'm like, I, I'm going to take you out to dinner tomorrow. So I'm not going to be able to see SmackDown live. <laughs> no pun intended. But I'm not going to be able to see SmackDown and I'm not going to be able to see all of Raw, so those reviews are probably going to be coming late. Uh, I'm going to try my best to uh, do my best with Raw, but SmackDown may be coming until 
late Wednesday. And NXT, since Wednesdays, I'd be so busy. I'd go to the gym or I'd do stuff like that. And I just don't go back and watch it until, like, the weekend and be too late to even put up a review. So what I think I'm going to do is just keep it right here on the podcast. So we're going to go over NXT that happened uh, last Wednesday. Alright, so NXT this past Wednesday, we've had um, a decent, decent show. Uh, they were hyping up the return of Giant Gorgano since the one of the greatest NXT matches in TakeOver Philly. I was there for that match. That match was awesome. I'm so mad I didn't get a cheer. But that match was so awesome being there live. And I know seeing it back to, uh, back in on TV, that match was great. These guys have had just great matches over and over again. So... They are just destined for greatness. Um, the show st- uh, starts off with the Undisputed Era. They're really growing on me. Now, when I, when I say that, I was always a fan of Adam Cole. I watched Adam Cole in Ring of Honor. I've seen Adam Cole in House of Hardcores. But uh, most, of course, most of Ring of Honor, same thing with Bobby Fish. He was Ring of Honor and Kyle O'Reilly. Out of all three of them, Kyle O'Reilly was the one I was least a fan of, to be honest with you. I was just like, oh my god, he just gets on my. He, I, I don't know something about him. I just don't like. I I didn't like him as Ring of Honor champion. I I liked more Adam Cole, and I I, I was uh unique by Bobby Fish. I was like, he has that Vong villains mustache goatee thing he has, but he's very very good. But I liked him as Red Dragon, and now the Undisputed Era. I was just like, man, I was kind of hoping they went for a name like Dishonored, but the Undisputed Era, especially after you know uh. Seeing them wrestle again in NXT, I, I'm a real huge fan of them now. So I'm all for the shock the system. I'm all I'm all for that. So they come out and then they get attacked by Sandy and they just start brawling all over the arena. Then William Real comes out and says, "It's tonight. This is all going to end. So we're going to have a six man tornado uh, match with tornado rules. So they get to battle all over. Nobody has to tag in or out. All three members of Sanity versus." The whole undisputed era, so that's going to be that. That was really going to be good. Next up, we have Heavy Machinery takes on Riddick Moss and Tino Sabatelli. It's great to see Tito Sabatelli on TV because the reason why I say that is because if you go back to looking at Breaking Ground, that NXT show which needs to come back, I actually enjoyed that NXT reality show. That that was back when Bailey and Sasha Banks were killing it in NXT at Takeover Brooklyn. And he had the Iron Woman match at NXT. What, what year was that? Was that, that was 2014, that was? <clears throat> that was the last show. That's where all that show is from. And I'm just saying, that's when you know, Baron Corbin and Mojo Riot and all them were still at NXT. But <clears throat> I would love them to bring that show back and do another season of that show. Uh, but t- t- you, you see the the groundwork Tito Sabatelli put in there and then keeping with it, an uh, ex-football player, he comes in. And he does. He's doing good. I love his character in there. Uh, but Heavy Machinery wins with that kind of world strongest slam. The Tino the Tino Sabatelli. Um. Uh, what was, what was going on here? Then Giant Organo comes out, and he has a promo letting know that who he knows who he is. Johnny Wrestling and stuff like that, and um. He wants Tommaso Ciampa. I don't know what they're going to do with Tommaso Ciampa yet, but I hope they had that match at their, the WrestleMania takeover, takeover New Orleans. And then uh, Andrasi Anamas and uh, Selena Vega come out, 
and uh, Johnny asks for one more chance at the championship. I'm just like, oh god, they can't do it a fourth time, can they? They can't really. The third was the best one. They should end it right there and just, just give us all a break. But then um, Vegas says, "What more do we have to do so you leave us alone?" And then uh, Candice LeRae comes out also and pushes down Selena Vega, and then they they get out the ring as they try to do a little brawl. And then she says, "All right, he'll give you one more shot, and if Amos wins, you have to leave NXT forever." And then he accepted the match, and Candice LeRae was like, "Why would you do that?" And he was like, but he accepted, he accepted, he accepted the match, and that's the match we're going to have. I think it's going to be at a takeover. I, I I don't know if it's going, I don't know how they, they, they plan on doing it or whatever the case may be. But well, in my down, we're seeing another Gorgano and Amos match. Yes, well, it topped the third one. I seriously doubt it. They had three matches so far, and each of their matches were good. I don't think it's going to top the, and each one. It, they gradually got better. They gradually got better. So, uh, I don't know what the plan is here. But then they had an interview with Shannon Baszler. Uh, she says, everybody know that everybody who gets in the ring of her, they either got three choices. I actually like this. Tap, nap, or snap. I was just like, I like that. I like that from her. However, Shayna Baszler, when she's in the ring and she's wrestling, she's intimidated as fuck. But when she's out just talking, I'm like, she's so innocent. Like, me and her can go out and be friends. She had an innocent voice. I'm just like, this is why certain people that are supposed to be booked to be intimidating don't talk. Because their voice does not match their body. And I'm just like, she just seems like she would laugh and go out and have a good time with, you know, with with, with the fellas or, you know, with, with, with the girls and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, kind of like when Emma Moon started talking. I was like, I don't want to see that with Shayna Baszler, though. But... Uh, she said Ember Moon was scared to give her a rematch and then Ember Moon said you need a time and place and uh, she wants to do it next week. So next week, not only do we have uh, Ember Moon and Shanna Baszler, we also have Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong. So that should be a very interesting match for next week. And then uh, up next is we have Bianca Belair versus Jesse Tilson, I believe it. She was actually, I was like, she's getting jobbed out. I am all aboard the EST train. Hashtag EST Bianca Belair. I was a fan of Bianca Belair when I seen her working out in the Performance Center. Seeing her in the Mayo Classic. She she does pretty she she did good against Kyrie Zane. I'm all for Bianca Belair. She reminds me of she she's going they're booking her like the taller, stronger, tougher version of Sasha Banks. And you know what I'm saying? Cause uh she got that nice heel character. That that hair is is going to get over. And she walks out to the ring with, with such sass. And she, she does that little uh, wave thing on the apron like uh, Sasha Banks does. But she stops it and, cut, and, you know, like throws the hand across the throat like, uh-uh. You, you're not getting that from me. And I was just like, okay, I'm liking her. And then, of course, she extends the hand and she holds it in the hand. And she, be, she beats this girl in about, I don't know, a minute. Uh, that whole power bomb, that release power bomb that she does, she won with that. She even used the hair in this one. So keep booking her. I want her, them to book Bianca Belair like a threat, so that when it's time for her to win, I, I want her to stay down there to get all the training she needs. I don't want her to even come up this year. Have her come up next year, you know, 
And uh, like I said, I know that I'm probably the big buff when it comes to WWE video games. I want her to be in the new one. Because it seems like the, for, for the, for the Mae Young Classic, the only two women that are still in there that seem like they still be wrestling is Bianca Belair and Lacey Evans. They're, like, they're, they're the ones that got the contract down and they're the ones that's going to be doing it. But, I mean, like, because I would like to see Piper Niven. I would like to see Tony Storm. Oh, duh, dummy. I'm sorry. And Kyrie Zane. Yeah, Kyrie Zane, Bianca Belair, and Lacey Evans are the ones that come to my mind that are still there working like a, a full time NXT schedule to actually sign. Piper Niven, Tony Storm, and all of them, they have, I have not seen them yet. So I don't know if they're going to be coming there or not. Uh, I'm trying to think of a couple of other women that was in there, but those those are the three main ones that I see. Uh, so hope hope they they, they all get booked. Then we get time for the tornado match, tornado six man tag team match: Sanity, Alexander Wolf, Eric Young, Kelly Dane versus the Undisputed Era: Adam Cole, Baby, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly. And it was a decent brawl. That's exactly what it was. It was a decent brawl that uh, Eric Young and Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and Alexander Wolf were fighting in the backstage, which left Killian Dan Bobby Fish to fight inside the ring. And uh, yeah, there's just a couple of nice good spots. I also love the Mishinoku Driver Bonsai Drop combination Killian Dame does. That shit looks like it hurts, but that, that, that man is good at what he does. He tries to go for a senton. Uh, there's a table out there in line, but he misses and he goes to the table. And uh, a couple of nice, like I said, a couple of nice spots here. But at in the end, Sanity picks up the win over the undisputed era. And uh, like I said, it was it was a, a decent match. And. They, they, they celebrate and that's it for the show and I'm like okay so they got some for win to help you know make Sandy still look strong Killian Dame got the uh, the win on him for, for pinning Bobby Fish so Killian Dame is going to be a star Killian Dame is going to be one of those stars where he's going to uh, go off on his own he's going to go off on his own so uh, I'm cool with that. He's gonna go. I don't know if he, he'll go off his own NXT or on the main roster. He already he had that spot in Andre Giant more about the world, which went undercover, but that's what it was. But so, guys, that's going to be. That's why I'm gonna wrap up the podcast up this week. So I hope you guys are uh, entertained by it. Like I said, there was no prime time this week, so I apologize for that. Hopefully, uh, like I said, if I can get this more consistent with the other podcasts with, with my schedule, because you know, getting married and you know, be at, at one time last year, being the only guy doing this by yourself, when you have a whole group of guys, I, I want to try to upload this on Stitcher and iTunes. I want that to kind of happen so people can listen to podcasts that way. But for right now, we got to just deal with the YouTube thing. So I appreciate all the ones who still listen and appreciate me and stuff like that. Oh, and by the way, yes, uh, this is Super Bowl. Uh, well, not yesterday, but last Sunday, Eagles won the Super Bowl. Was extremely shocked. When the Eagles won the Super Bowl, to be honest with you, and uh, I, as you know, I'm not even going to be a bandwagon because people out there who know me will be listening. I am not an Eagles fan. I am not an Eagles fan. I am a Giants fan. Yes, I'm Philadelphia, and I am a Giants fan. But I despise Tom Brady. I don't like Tom Brady, and as you know, the Giants beat Tom Brady, Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl. So I don't want Tom Brady to win at all. And there's other reasons why I don't like him. There's you know arrogance and I don't know, but he he is the go. He does he is good at what he does. But 
watching that game was a nail biter. It was a good thing for Philadelphia. We was all excited around here. People was like fireworks and screaming and hollering. It was just like we didn't have news up here. It was just all eagle stuff until the day the parade happened and it was over. And it was good. I hope they can bring another one back to the city of Philadelphia because this is my hometown city. So, you know, need to enjoy, you know, enjoy when he wins the Super Bowl. So, that was good. So, uh, like I said, Eagles won the Super Bowl. Congratulations to them. I uh, need to get my Giants back up in there. But, hey, the Eagles are a well-oiled machine right now. So, we'll see what the next season does bring. But, yeah, post any comments down below. How did you guys enjoy the podcast? And uh, if there's other news I forgot, if y'all want to hear me talk about, uh, I think... I'm going to do the NXT stuff on the actual podcast itself instead of trying to do a review of it. So let me know if you guys are cool with that or not. And uh, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit the subscribe button for more wrestling-related videos. Universe Mode is still in full effect. I got a lot of those recorded. So those are going to be coming out all this week. And so uh, and so check out Primetime. His phone is down right now, but he's going to try to make sure you get him out for you guys so we can have, finally have our Survivor Series. So once again, this is NC in the place to be. Channel 20, Mr. AD, and Q-Flow, wherever you are at, take us out. If you want to know what's next, go and like and subscribe. It's NC in the place to be.